Hello and welcome back for another episode of the Newbie Dentist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Omid Azami. In this episode, I chat with Dr. Jalal Khan. Dr. Jalal graduated from the University of Sydney with a bachelor degree in dentistry. Dr. Jalal is doing amazing things in dentistry and after about three and a half years in private practice, he decided to purchase a dental van so that he can travel to regional and remote areas providing dental services to these underserved communities. This small project has grown to become the Dental Truck, which is now a nonprofit organization not only serving these rural communities, but also serving underprivileged populations within Metro Sydney. In this episode, we dive into his story, his challenges, his mindset, and what pushes him to keep going with this project. Mindset and self-improvement are huge topics in this podcast and a topic that Jalal and I really connected over, which perhaps warrants another follow-up interview. This interview talks about the benefits of thinking outside the box and not having fear of pursuing projects that you're passionate about and just making a move and just going for it. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's filled with a lot of great content and a lot of great mindset and self-improvement tips as well, which I think can help everybody out. And if you're interested in supporting this project, the dental truck, the link is in the show notes. Have a look. It is a non-for-profit, so you can make donations and you can perhaps reach out to Jalof to volunteer your time and services if you're in that community. This episode is brought to you by Avaclar Vivident. Avaclar Vivident is one of the world's leading and most innovative dental companies, offering a comprehensive range of products and services that provide you with new opportunities in dentistry. For even more aesthetic and efficient results and better dental care for your patients, check out Ivoclar and their line of products. Making people smile is what they do. To find out more, visit ivoclarvivident.com.au. As always, if you're new to the Newbie Dentist podcast, be sure to check out the website or the Spotify or podcast app to listen to the previous episodes. If you enjoyed the episodes, please be sure to head over to iTunes and give the show a five-star rating. This really helps us grow and expand the podcast outreach. Without further delay, I hope you enjoy this episode with Dr. Jalal Khan. Welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast, giving a voice to young clinicians worldwide. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to be the dental industry leader in in-depth, informative and motivational interviews with some of the world's leading clinicians, academics and experts. With your host, Dr. Omid Azami. So I'm here with uh, Dr. Jalal Khan, who has kindly agreed to come on and chat to us about everything that he's doing with the dental van. Uh, Jalal, I'm super excited to talk to you. As we were talking before, I, you know, was in bed, you know, maybe a couple months ago. Now this thing came up on Facebook with the SBS video clip, and it was yourself talking about everything that you do in providing dental services to you know regional, remote areas, and and the value that that provides people who live in towns that you know don't have a dentist, and and you know coming from such saturated metropolitan areas in Melbourne and Sydney and things, I'm sure that's not something that a lot of us, our colleagues, can really relate to. Uh, so I'm really excited to kind of get your perspective on things as we kind of uh, go through here. Uh, how we start these off is with a bit of an origin story. So if you can just tell us about yourself, uh, you know, where, why you chose to get into dentistry, where you went to dental school, and then we'll kind of take things from there. Yeah, sure. Um, firstly, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, and I appreciate you um, having me on to share my story and uh, what we're trying to do at the dental truck. Uh, so a, a bit about me. Um, my name's Jalal, as uh, as you've uh, introduced, and um, 
I'm a father of two. Um, I've got an amazing wife who we've been married for eight years now. She's been my rock and support for um, everything that I've done to date. Um, we met very, very young, late teens, um, and kept it going from there, which is great. So um, uh, a bit about my professional career. I first did medical science and um, went straight from there into dentistry. I knew I always wanted to do health. And with a brother that was doing medicine, I kind of saw the uh, hard road ahead that he had. So uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, I won't go down there. I'll go the, uh, the quality of life route and um, no regrets whatsoever. Um, so yeah, I graduated from dentistry, uh, Bachelor of Dentistry at University of Sydney in 2011 and um, haven't looked back. That's awesome. And I guess, you know, you know, before we get into the whole, everything that's kind of come, one, one question I really like to ask, and I've done a few of these over the years now, and people who've done all these amazing things, I always ask them, like, you know, when you graduate dental school, like, did you foresee any of this? Is this any of this in your actual plans? Or has everything just kind of happened without you having that plan ahead of time? Um, that's a very good question. So interestingly, as a student, I did have an itch to do some sort of mobile dentistry. Uh, and uh, I speak to mates of mine who I did dental school with and when they found out that I was doing the dental truck, whoopsie, that was my alarm to make sure I don't forget about today. <laughs> um, when uh, when um, my mates found out what I was doing, they're like, oh, Jalal, I remember you always said that you wanted to do something like that. So I think there was, yeah, definitely that element of um, it being a, a vision of mine. Um, and uh, I wouldn't, I'll be honest, I wouldn't say it was necessarily to go to remote areas, but it was just that, as I said on the SBS clip, the, the cool factor of just being able to practice my skills wherever I wanted to. Um, and it's just evolved from there, which is an interesting story in itself. Yeah. So tell us, I mean, what, what did you do when you first graduated? Where were you working? And then when did the, the van and the mobile clinic kind of come into play? Yeah. So, I mean, I graduated in December 2011 and like all of us, I was hungry. Um, I was hungry to sink my teeth, mind the pun, into dentistry. Um, so I went straight into private practice and uh, was uh, working up at the Central Coast uh, in New South Wales and then also a bit in Sydney, just doing two part-time jobs and um, did that for a little while, then found an excellent um, job in the inner west of um, Sydney. Um, the principal was a superb mentor um, and I gained a lot of confidence, not only clinically, but also got good insight into how to run a dental practice um, from a business perspective, because we graduate as clinicians, but don't necessarily get much training in the, the business aspect of it all. Um, and perhaps uh, there's a bit left wanting as well on the communication side of things as well. Um, so, uh, so I actually bought a practice in North Sydney when I was two years out of dental school, uh, which in hindsight, uh, it was a bit of a risk, <laughs> not only um, financially, but uh, I think I was maybe a fraction, a fraction, um, what's the right word? What's the right word I'm looking for? In A fraction inexperience, I think, to tackle all that could possibly come through the door. Um, but I was realistic in you know, what I would take on as the new principal of that practice and that if I knew it was out of my scope, I'd be referring it on. Um, but uh, something left me wanting more and I couldn't see myself just practicing dentistry in these premises for the next 25, 30 years of my life and not doing anything else with my skills or anything else with my time. 
Um, and yes, we all um, have visions of um, whether that be traveling or having children and raising a family and experiencing life through that. But um, I think we've all got to work hard to find fulfillment within ourselves as well. So um, I hopped onto Google and just started searching for um, different opportunities within dentistry and happened to come across this uh, ad for a mobile dental clinic that a retiring dentist was selling. He was based up in the Gold Coast and um, it was a, it was a big vehicle, um, but just the whole concept sounded really cool. So I had a chat to him on the phone and then I um, flew up a few days later with my wife and recently born son. And we um, had a look and fell in love with the, the vehicle, the concept and, and everything and just um, took it from there. So how long had you owned the practice by the time you bought the van? I had owned the practice for a good, a good three and a half years. Okay. So you kind of stabilized in that and were I had stabilized in that and yeah, exactly. So I'd stabilized, got used to things and was had the right grounding to then take take the next step into something else. So I mean a lot of listeners of this podcast are new newer grads and you know, kind of been working there maybe now for a couple of years and and before we get into the van thing, I just want to get your perspective as like a young grad practice owner, because obviously there's a lot to learn just clinically in itself and you're taking, you know, doing courses and things and to throw into, on top of that, you know, the practice management side, the human resources side of like dealing with staff and things. How did you, you know, manage all those, you know, all those hats early on in the practice ownership time and make sure you're not like, neglecting like the clinical side of things and just focusing on business or like it's a pretty delicate balancing act there. I think you're, you're spot on there, Amit. And um, uh, if, if you'd ask me, uh, you know, did I know what I was doing at the time through all these things, um, all these things that are non-clinical? Probably not, honestly. Uh, I think uh, we fall into the trap of, some of us fall into the trap of wanting to be uh, over-prepared for things and reading up on everything before we actually take the step. Um, and, you know, we're reading up business books or we're hopping onto DPR and asking questions or we're umming and ahhing with colleagues about, the purchase of a practice or should we partner with someone else or should we do it ourselves, et cetera. Um, and I guess my, I've got lots of pieces of advices, um, which if they come out at the right time, then I'll say them. But my first piece of advice is uh, just act. Uh, too many of us just think, think, think and overthink and overthinking means nothing's getting done. And you just got to act. You just got to back your gut and you just got to have a crack at it. So you can tell I'm a bit of a risk taker, but um, I, I haven't had any regrets from the risks that I've taken um, because it has always led to me being putting myself out of my comfort zone. And so that's where the most growth in life happens for all of us, whether that's personally, professionally, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, you have to get yourself out of the comfort zone. That's amazing. And I was, you know, just literally before we got on here, I was running a blog post for, for a website that we do, uh, CPD Junkie. And I, and I was talking about that comfort zone factor and a lot of people just, you know, stay within it, even clinically and, you know, don't invest the time or the resources to try and you know, push themselves. And then, you know, you get into the habit of every day, just going to work without stress and coming home without stress. And it's hard to kind of get out of that. So, you know, when you say just act, is that something that you think you developed within yourself? Or is that something you were kind of, oh, that was your, your nature and your character, like kind of, I think it's a, I think it's a bit of both. I think um, there is an, an inherent level of um, self-confidence within me, which is not the self-confidence that's an arrogant type, which puts other people down, but it's just something that comes from within where I back myself to do something like, I mean, if the, the most easy 
accidental example of, you know, going out of your comfort zone. It's like, you know, you're first time ever you're in private practice, the person is paying for this extirpation that you're doing. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's a, a young girl, she's in her mid twenties or something, and you can't stuff this up. Um, and so, you know, you know that there's probably a 75, 80% chance that there's going to be four canals in this one six. And so you found three, but you're going to go look for the MB2. And so, you know, you're, um, you're working your way down and you're hoping you're in the right spot. And this is where you're getting out of your comfort zone, aren't you? And so, you know, uh, mind the French, but, you know, you're shitting your pants. You're like, <laughs> how, how am I, am I going to find this? Am I going to find this? And then you find it. And the sense of achievement is unbelievable. That is great. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's what life is like, biopractice and the sense of achievement afterwards. Bam, it's irreplaceable. So to balance that out, though, I'm sure there's been cases where you haven't found that fourth canal in life or in that hypothetical situation. Yes. How does that then, how do you overcome that you know, failure? I guess. When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, everything, everything bad that happens to, to you is, um, there's a reason for it. And uh, uh, if, if you make a, a clinical mistake, well, that's a, that um, it grounds you. You have to demonstrate humility within yourself. Okay, I'm not as good as what I thought I was. I made a mistake. You have to then have the humility to talk to the patient about it. We've all made mistakes um, and explain to the patient, look, this is what happened. Um, it's a, very unfortunate that this has happened, um, but these are the next steps to go forward from here. Um, and uh, I think the no mistake is um, ever done on purpose but it's always something where you've just got to learn and grow from and make sure it doesn't happen again. Perfect. And it, you know, it, it does come hand in hand with pushing your boundaries and your comfort zone, right? So that's right. if you're not making mistakes, then you're not you know, challenging yourself. And, and that's exactly. one of those, those main things. That's great. And what about the, so, I mean, the van was a thing you said, you were just, you know, searching on Google, you found a van and like the next day you make the call and then you're flying up to, to purchase the van. Uh, is it going to be great? You got a supportive wife as well, but is there any self-doubt or questioning? Like, what am I doing? Why am I investing this money or time into this? Or is that pretty much, yeah, this is the vision. I'm going to just execute it now. I never really did it to, to make a, a whole lot of money. I just want, I, as long as it was breaking even, I was happy um, because it was more for the life experience. I did want to say one thing before we move on to the van though. Um, and coming back to this whole, you know, practice ownership, the current state of dentistry. Um, I mean, I bought a practice in a very competitive area of Sydney. I guess all these metropolitan cities are super competitive, but there's a couple of big corporates in my suburb. Um, and we have to accept that that's a, a part of the dental industry now. Um, whilst it's competitive, it also forces you to up your game and, and to play at the top level. Um, and so as a clinician that has forced me to upskill, not only clinically, but also in my communication, in my marketing. Um, and, uh, I mean, I do my own website, but the reason why I do my own website is because I wanted it to be absolutely perfect, exactly a representation of me and no one else would be able to do that unless it was me. Um, so I spent the hours in the night times learning how to put a website together. And, um, you know, if I was to do an audit of it now, I'd tear it apart and, you know, keep going. But um, I guess uh, you, when you go out of your comfort zone and you're mixing it with the big boys, you, um, you, or the big players, you have, to, uh, you have to raise your game and that makes you a, a better clinician and a better person. Um, 
you got to find you got to find the niches in your particular area um, or suburb where you can start to dominate. Um, and a word of advice to everyone: the future of dentistry is airways. Get into airways, otherwise you'll be left behind. That's a good tip. I mean, a lot of people might not be kind of thinking that regard. So, in terms of, I mean, you answered part of the question just then, but of all the upskilling that you've done in communication and different clinical aspects, what would you say has been one of your best, I guess, like, you know, investments in yourself or what's, what, what's given you the best ROI in terms of courses or development that you've invested in over the you know early part of your career? That's a, that's a good question and a hard one. Like I can't pin it down to one thing. I mean, I've trained in implants. Um, if there's one I'd like to do, which I reckon would, yeah, which I wish I would have had have done, when I had more time on my hands before two kids and a mobile dental truck, it would have been Derek Mahoney's course um, in author. I think that's superb. And I know a few people that have done it and the way that that gets you thinking about dentistry, it's not just about orthodontics that really gets you thinking on another level. So um, if anyone is thinking about doing anything um, and they haven't done much yet, invest in that course for sure. Um, but and that's coming from someone that hasn't actually done the course, but I just <laughs> yeah. know that I just know that it would be amazing. Um, is that mostly because of the airway stuff again, or um, airway stuff and um, uh, occlusion and just um, orthodontics is not just about straightening teeth. It has such an important role in restorative work, um, restorative planning, prepping for cases where you are planning to do Invisalign later or this or that or veneers. Even sometimes you need to, you know, you've heard of that aligned bleach blonde. Uh, not blonde, align bleach bond. Um, what's aligning though? It's not necessarily just uh, Invisalign. Sometimes it's braces, etc. but it's orthodontics at the end of the day. So sometimes that's the first step towards all cosmetic work that comes later. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, if there's one thing that has, um, that has paid the biggest uh, return on investment for me, I would think it was speaking with a business psychologist about how I wanted my website to look and feel and spending eight hours with her over two, four hour sessions, um, basically allowing her to ask any questions she wanted about me, learning everything about me. And then she basically started to write copy for my website in my language, in the way that I would talk. And so now when people go to my website, I'd like to think, they don't necessarily go to another website in North Sydney then because they already feel like they're hearing directly from the dentist because of the way that the copy is written. And it is very unique, I must say, because, you know, just, you know, doing a bit of reading just before the interview, just to kind of, uh, as you do for, for most guests, bit of back. And it was a unique experience, just the way you'd address like the about page, you know, um, how you've worn it. I didn't, I did pick up on that. So it's interesting that you say that uh, something that you spent a lot of time and thought into. And and the number of patients that I've had come and say to new patients, come and say to me, um, your website is amazing. Um, and it's not because of the graphics it's because they feel like I'm talking directly to them. Um, or they're reading directly from what the dentist is saying, as opposed to some fancy SEO guy sitting in another city. Um, so so yeah, I think that's been um, the biggest, I guess, return on investment. But also, it helped me uh, find my find my identity as a businessman. Um, and it wasn't just about selling, 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 but being myself, being honest, being genuine, and trusting that process as being sufficient to 
draw in patients and the patients that I want. So now patients come and see me, not because I'm a Booper preferred provider, sorry, Booper, or because I'm the cheapest um, guy on the, on the block, but because they want to come and see me because they've seen my website, they've seen my Google reviews. And what made you seek out a business psychologist? That's a pretty interesting play. Like, do you, or do you always seek out like professionals and coaches and things like that in different aspects or? I, I don't, I'm like, I don't have like life coaches or anything like that, but I do believe in reading in on that type of stuff um, because the, every book or every blog that you read um, has some little pearl, which you can add to your own collection of um, advice that you give yourself that you read up on later. Um but yeah, I think that was a different take because I watched a video from um, <clears throat> many of you would have heard Simon Sinek. Um, I watched a video um, um, that he put together ages ago, which was, you know, about what is the why? Why are we doing what we're doing? Not the what, not the how, but the why. Um, and that really struck me. And I wanted that to come across in my website. And I definitely feel that it rings, it rings true. That's awesome. So let's, uh, I mean, I really want to get into, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can get to talk about, like health policy and health equality. And um, so let's just start with like the van itself and tell me about like the first trip that you went on uh, for work and how did you organize that? How did you market that? What was, what did you think you were going to get out of it and what did you actually get out of it? Sure. So um, basically the van has got one chair inside it. There's space for a second. Um, so if anyone's got a lot of money and they want to donate to a good cause, um, you know who to call um, or if you know anyone. <laughs> um, but uh, so the, the way the first trip worked was the previous owner. Um, well, here's, a, here's an interesting story. Okay. We, the exchange and, or settlement of the purchase of the van happened on a Friday afternoon. Um, that night, the owner of the van died of a heart attack. And so the person that was going to give me all the handover on how things work, how to set up the chair, what wires to connect where, where to put the garden hose, this or that, he was gone. Um, and so obviously that was horrendous news for their family. Um, but at the risk of you know coming across as uh, indecent, it was horrendous news for me because I had no idea how to use this thing. Um, and... So the, the way the first trip worked was, was that we were going to start in a town called Burke. So um, he had been to Burke a few times and because it was in New South Wales, I'm in New South Wales, I thought, let's just start there. So we started in Burke um, and uh, it, the, the, the truck was in the Gold Coast. So the previous owner had someone drive the truck out to Burke. I met them in Burke um, at 7 a.m. On a, on, a, on a Tuesday. And um, my first patient was at... Uh, was at eight o'clock and so we had an hour basically for me to just fiddle around um, and uh, work out what goes where how we can get the chair operational etc anyway so one and a half la hours later we're um, still scratching our heads but we managed to get it done um, and so we started about half an hour 40 minutes late but like that's an example of like you know you're eight hours out of Sydney you've got no technician um, and uh, you've got no help you've just got to wing it uh, but that you know it's a good growth experience there um, <clears throat> And so basically what happens uh, is we let the town know beforehand that we're coming. We, um, there's a Facebook page that we have um, and we've got contacts within each town. 
um, which were passed on to me by the previous owner. Like if you're coming to town, tell these and these people and they'll help you spread the word. Um, because these towns are quite small. Burke, for instance, only has 17, 1800 people. And if you're there for a couple of days, all you need is maybe 25 to 30 patients um, and, and you're set for that, for that particular tour. And then you move on to the next town. So, um, and a lot of the you know patients, they're bringing their families in, they're bringing their children or their parents, et cetera. There's a lot of work out there. Um, and so, you know, we were very, very busy in Burke. And then we moved up to Queensland, um, two and a half hours into from, from Burke into a town called Kanamala um, and uh, spent a couple of days there and then came back to Sydney. So the first trip was just a short trip just to get a taste, learn how everything went, um, how everything worked. And uh, we just built from there. And since then, we've added about two or three towns in that vicinity to the tour. Um, and we brought the truck back to Sydney as well a few times. And we have a few things happening in the next few months as well, which I'm quite excited about. And so what was like some of the bigger challenges, like that first time that you realized, oh, this is won't be as easy or as uh, straightforward? Like, what are some stuff that you have in your regular clinic that you just take for granted out in the van? You're like, oh, man. Like- space. <laughs> space, yeah. Space um that's for sure but um i'm i'm generally an easygoing flexible guy so if you know something's not going my way i'll just i won't kind of go into victim and mentality and feel sorry for myself i'll just get on with it and get the job done um but yeah i mean building the mobile clinic business um has been the hardest thing i've ever done just in terms of maintaining the momentum that it has as well as you know um wife and two kids at home, et cetera. So still keeping the dad hat on and the husband hat on um, and not neglecting them as well as keeping North Sydney chugging along nicely as well. I mean, balancing all of that has been tricky. Yeah. Um, plus trying to find time for golf. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're, we're getting there. Um, and uh, it's interesting because uh, the van took me way out of my comfort zone. Um, but the biggest the biggest beneficiary of the whole service has definitely been me, not just from a professional level, but also on a personal level as well. And a lot of the things that I've said prior to uh, earlier on in this conversation has all stemmed from lessons that I've learned whilst being out on the truck. Yeah. And how uh, currently, how often do you go out there? Uh, how often do you do a tour of the cities that you visit? So um, I bought the van in May, 2017. And for at least two to two and a quarter years, I was going out every month for about, four or five days. Um, so it's super hard work. Um, but I've been lucky to have a dentist in the Sunshine Coast help with the clinical load. And she has um, started to go out more regularly to the bush, which means that I've been going out bush maybe once every three months now. Um, and then we try and bring the truck to Sydney a bit more regularly. And I try and lay down a lot of the work here in, this, in the city. But I also have a few dentists in Sydney who might be unable to go out on bush because of their own family or professional commitments as well but are happy to give one or two days pro bono when the truck is in sydney which is of course very kind of them so i don't go out bush as much as i used to mainly because now we have two children um and uh, there's actually a lot of admin work that goes into running the truck because yes it's yes it's a practice and we all know there's a lot of business work, uh, admin that goes into running a practice but um about 12 to 15 months ago, we took steps to transform the whole structure from being a for-profit corporate entity um, looking to make money into a not-for-profit charitable organization um, where we still look to make money, 
but the money doesn't go into my pocket, but goes back into the service. Um, so that was a huge learning curve and a huge admin job in terms of talking with lawyers and completing the charity application, um, et cetera. But we got there after many months and it's a huge achievement. Yeah. So what was uh, some of the driving factors behind that move? What were you hoping to accomplish with that? Uh, very early on, I realized how difficult it was for those out in the bush to um, to access care. And um, I knew after one or two visits that we needed to grow this so that it was fully utilized because I had only been utilizing it one week a month. So you could say it was only 25% utilized. And the only thing that was stopping it from being used more was just the fact that I was the one that was self-funding the whole thing. Um, and uh, it was just a lack of capital. So I thought that... Um, the easy, the easiest way to have this reaching more people and being used more often is if we can raise capital and it will be easier to do that if we are a charitable organization, which at the end of the day was the values behind the service in the first place. Um, so I thought, well, if, if that's what our values are, let's demonstrate that and let's change the whole structure. Um, so, uh, that was, uh, um, so that was, um, you know, one thing that, um, that happened, but, uh, I guess the other thing that happened which really affected me was for a long time I was focused on the expansion being in remote areas in the Australian bush. And then I watched a series called Filthy Rich and Homeless on SBS. And that was just a game changer for me, watching celebrities or, you know, fairly well-off or well-known people go and live the life of a, a person experiencing homelessness for a week or so. And seeing just how much it broke them within a week, I was like, wow, there's so many people in the in, in the metropolitan cities that need this as well. There could literally be one or two trucks just for Sydney and Melbourne, and then another two or three trucks for New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland. Um, and they could all be fully, fully utilised. Um, so that was when I was like, okay, well, we shouldn't focus on the expansion just being in the bush, but let's look to bring it to the city more. So since then we've done programs um, helping those that are uh, experiencing homelessness or vulnerable to homelessness. Um, and those that are uh, indigenous Australians, refugees, asylum seekers, etc. And when you get out of your comfort zone and you're not treating um, pa private patients only, and you start to treat these communities, you, learn some of the cultural nuances of how to speak to them with respect and integrity. Um, no one is a homeless person. They are people experiencing homelessness. And when you change a language like that, all of a sudden you're actually giving that person a lot more in, um, a, a lot more importance, value and integrity rather than just calling them a homeless person because nobody chooses to be homeless. There is a, set of circumstances that have resulted in their being in their current disposition and it is our role as a as a people that are in the middle to upper class to say well what's not it's a responsibility that we share our wealth and um lift up the lives of those that are less fortunate and i, mean, I want to circle back to a few things but i guess while we're on this topic how how has that uh, work been? Have you been you know partnering with like the actual public health services and because uh, you know obviously in Melbourne I'm not sure to in Sydney and how the dental services and stuff are provided but obviously here we have the you know the centralized dental hospital and then we have all the community clinics that provide you know for healthcare card holders concession card holders um, like you know indigenous populations uh, refugees that they have access to dental services that way with you know 
minimal co-payments uh, for these services. Have you, are you, do you work with them at all or is there such services available in Sydney as well? We've been partnering with um, not necessarily state government health services, but more organizations that are in the not-for-profit sector. Um, so we've worked with Wesley Mission in the past where we're planning a few things with an organization called Settlement Services International, SSI. Um, we've worked with an organization called House of Welcome who deals directly with um, helping um, asylum seekers fresh out of detention settle into society um, and assimilate into Australian society. Um, so these are the types of organizations that we work with when we are bringing the truck to Sydney because these are the organizations that really deal with those that are really um, underprivileged and less fortunate. So they know they we do the dentistry, they bring in the right patients. At Bush, it's a bit um, it's a bit easier, um, and we don't necessarily need to partner with anybody. We can just get the word out via the local school newsletter and the Facebook page and this and that. Yeah, uh, in the in the SBS segment that uh, you were on, and you're talking about, you know, sharing a story of. You know, if a mother of two or three wants to come and get dent- like a filling done, they got to travel. If they're not, you know, there's no dentist in town, they might have to, you know, take the day off work and travel X hundred kilometers to go see a dentist and find accommodation. And so that the healthcare cost that way just is so much more than like the true cost, like the procedure itself. What are some of those like lessons that you've seen, or what are those like things that you've noticed, you know, while you're out there that you know, were things that maybe you'd, you'd never even thought about or contemplated before you kind of got out there. And uh, it'd be interesting just to get those, some of these stories and anecdotes for people who have never, you know, had time to or experienced these types of challenges. Yes, um, good question. So, I mean, that particular example is a nice one. So, if you think about, you know, you go out a thousand kilometers west of Brisbane or Sydney, <coughs> and, if, and if there's no dentist in town, and if a patient has a toothache or needs to be seen ASAP, the nearest dentist closest to the coast might still be 900 or 800 kilometers west of the coast. But because they're the westmost dentist, they're super busy and booked out. And so they can't be seen that day. So then they've got to go further towards the coast to find the nearest dentist that has availability that day or tomorrow. And so even though the nearest dentist might be 150 kilometers away because they're fully booked, you end up having to drive 400 kilometers one way to see a dentist. Um, and if you've got three children like this lady had, for instance, um, you can't take them with you. I mean, we've all had kids in the waiting room. Um, try and have a, an extirpation done or a tooth extraction done when you've got three kids pulling at your shoes and shoelaces. Um, nigh on impossible. So, uh, you know, she's got, she's got to organize daycare um, or somehow find um, someone to mind the children while she's away because it's a 400-kilometer drive. She'll probably stay the night. So it all adds up in terms of accommodation, food, travel, fuel, looking after the kids somehow, the dental treatment itself, and then coming back. So, I mean, that's one example where you really get to appreciate how good we have it in the city where, you know, if, um, if someone uh, in, in your particular suburb can't see you, you just go to the next suburb. Um, but there are other examples like uh, you see, um, I'll never forget this um, Aboriginal lady that I treated uh, who um, who had a, a few missing teeth. And naturally, when someone has missing teeth, one of the questions we ask is, why are these teeth missing? Is it because of decay? Is it because of perio? Um, and she said, well, it's the first time I'd ever heard this answer. She said, domestic violence. 
and um, that was a, a bit confronting for me. Um, and uh, I guess my heart sank. And, uh, you know, she wanted to have the teeth replaced and we discussed various options and she opted for a denture. And I made her a denture um, and took the impressions, et cetera, and took all the records. And um, I remember her saying at the end of that first appointment where we took all the records that um, this is the first thing that I've ever done for myself. And because um, she had three, she had four children. And so I asked her about her children and her eldest daughter uh, was studying medicine in, um, I think, James Cook University in, you know, in, in Queensland. So this is a lady who's like, she has toiled her whole life and the fruits of her toil is that her eldest child is now studying medicine and is going to lay the foundation to look after the next generation and lift that family out from where it's been, which is just incredible. But then for her to say, this is the first thing I've ever done in my life. Um, at the time, we weren't a not-for-profit organisation, so I was still self-funding the whole thing. But my heart just sank, and I, I just couldn't bring myself to charge her for it. So I, I just out of compassion, I didn't bill her for that denture. Um, but the feel-good factor and the tears in her eyes afterwards when I issued her the denture and told her I wasn't charging her anything, no money in the world can make you feel that. That's awesome. And I'm curious of your, I guess, your mindset when you come back to your Sydney practice after being away for, for an extended period of time on, in the van, what's that like? Uh, just seeing the different problems that people complain about in the city or in your practice or... Uh, I mean, it must be like you're in two different worlds completely. Yeah, I mean, it's so much more laid back in in the bush. And what I really feel when I'm out there is that when you are delivering dental care to someone out in the bush, they see it as a, as a service and they treat you with immense respect um, because of the effort that you're going to to bring this service to them. In the city, I think uh, with the the race to the bottom and the competition and this and that, it's um, we're delivering a commodity. We didn't sign up for that when we were dental students. We signed up for dental service delivery, dental care, um, not selling shoes off a bookshelf um, and doing checkups and cleans for eighty nine dollars. Um, so uh, that's an overriding feeling I get when I come back to Sydney and another reason why I changed my whole attitude to marketing, et cetera, because I did not want patients to come and see me because of my advertised special of what my new patient promotion is for a checkup and clean. I wanted patients to come and see me because of what I've written on my website, how I've written it, um, the work that I do on the truck and for them to come and want to see, not necessarily Jalal, but see the values of the dental station. Um, and so seeing how the patients are out in the bush has changed the way that I have portrayed myself to patients in the city. And the result has been that I attract patients in my um, city clinic that I like, that, that value me for the work that I do out bush as well as value me for, you know, my values. And that makes me feel good because I pretty much like every new patient that walks in the door now. That's, that's amazing because, you know, and that's something I, I care a lot about. And I think something that I've, 
you know, you know, you write down, you think about things or you write down things of what you want to contribute or, you know, give back or make it, make it a mission. And I think one of the things I really want to get to some days, you know, educating the public on dentistry or healthcare in general, not being a commodity. And like, you shouldn't necessarily just seek out the lowest price for these types of things because the care that you receive is going to be different. Like not every two clinician or doctor or dentist is going to be the same. And when we know that for ourselves, like, you know, if you and I wanted to get like a hip surgery done, I'm sure there's going to be like many hours of research into like finding someone and we're not going to just go to Google and say cheap hip replacements.com or like, you know, exactly. Um, so I think it's, it's really, it's really important what you said there. And, and I think it has a big impact on, on burnout and things as well. Cause a lot of dentists, we don't value what we do because, all we think about or all we hear from patients is just price, price. And, exactly. and that, and that weigh heavily on us. How, how does all this helped you? Like in terms of your, I guess, just like look at the profession uh, in terms of your motivation and drive to keep doing what you're doing. Um, Cause I, you know, a lot of in dentistry, especially in my, you know, I graduated in 2016. So I'm like four years out now. I have a few friends that are just, you know, onto second careers now or just kind of burnt out uh, and I'm sure you've seen the same with your cohort and, and colleagues as well how's that how's what you've been doing keeping you fresh and kind of keeping you hungry to keep going very good question this multifaceted answer I worked six days a week for the first two two and a half years um, I didn't burn out but I knew if I kept going I was going to burn out um, and ever since then I've only worked four days a week and I think physically, with it being such a labor-intensive and physically demanding profession, we cannot possibly work more than four days a week and deliver good care and still look after our backs and our necks and our general health. Um, so I think that's one thing. Don't work too hard. Don't chase the money because the money will come and it's not all about the money at the end of the day because you won't have any money if you're not enjoying it at the end. Um, I think that's the first thing. Don't work too hard. So space out your week, have a day in the middle or just go hard for four days like I do and then just chill on Fridays. Um, uh, that's the first thing I'd say. I think the second thing is, is that don't, there's, I mean, we walk out of dental school f feeling like we know a lot, but at the same time daunted by the fact, by the knowledge of how much we don't know. Um, and there's a, a hunger to sink ourselves into CPD and professional development and learning all of this stuff, but um, just take it slow. Um, really focus on learning one skill, implementing it into your clinical practice, getting comfortable and perfecting it, and then add another skill. And that's why I feel that something like Derek Mahoney's course is just a good starter. Expensive, well, not expensive, but like an investment, yes, but a solid investment, a well rounded investment in your general dental education which will act as a foundation for everything that follows um and then the third thing is practice slow dentistry so don't put pressure on yourself to complete cases fast and rush things through for patients i have been guilty of discounting my services in the past just to attract business or to get this case um discounting you know porcelain veneers or, or whatnot just so that the patient says yes to treatment but now i'm if a patient walks in with um, porcelain, wanting porcelain veneers, I said, that's my price. This is the whole process and I'm not discounting. And um, 
I say that straight off the bat without them even asking for a discount. But what it does is, what it does is it demonstrates to the patient straight away that I value my time, I value my effort, and I trust my process. And then I internalize that feeling and then I value myself. I'm demonstrating it to the patient, but I'm also demonstrating it to myself that I'm not willing to back down on my price. So do your best not to discount, guys. Do your best to value your time, value your effort, because you will start to feel better about yourself. You'll start to feel better about your dentistry and you won't feel like you are a slave for patients, um, but that you are providing them a service on your terms and obviously doing it with all the ethics and stuff that you've learned along the way. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great points in there. And as, as you kind of get through, I mean, I, I was the same as you when I, when I first graduated, I had, I guess a, a money, like a figure in my head. I was like, I got to hit this kind of, average that I'd heard was like, you know, a good thing to aim for. And I was, you know, working like seven days a week just to make sure I got that number. And then you got the number like, what was the point of that? Like I just, I just like, you know, burn. There is no, there is no point having money if you do not have the time to enjoy it. Um, and I mean, money is important because it is a means to, to many things, but you have to have the right mindset in order to be, um, grateful for what you have as well. Um, now more than ever with coronavirus at its peak and resurfacing in Victoria and potentially in New South Wales now as well. Like, I mean, we're all bracing for another lockdown and it's the thought of that is frustrating, but it also reemphasizes just how grateful we should all be for the little things in life. And you lose sight of that when you're thinking all about the dollars or all about that car, because um, then you fall into the trap of your whole identity being defined by what car you drive whether you're in a practice or not, what, how big your, the house is that you live in or what suburb you live in. And so if you're defined by that, one day that's all going to go. And then what's going to be left to define your identity? So have nice things. I'm not against that. But um, don't let them own you. Exactly. And it, it takes away some freedom at a certain point too if you're, if you're leveraged with all this, you know, if you're – you got a big mortgage and you got a big car payments and all those things. It, it takes away some of your freedom to maybe say, okay, I want to take some time off and, you know, go invest in a dental van and, you know, take off three months off work and go do something that's going to make me feel better about what I'm doing and things. So uh, definitely a lot of, a uh, lot of sound advice there. So, you know, and with, with the van to wrap, I guess, some of these things and tie some of these things up together, what are like, what are some goals that you have for the next, you know, say five years of what you want to accomplish with, the van itself as, as an idea or as, as an actual service, uh, you mentioned, you know, the more like metropolitan expansion as well, cause you're seeing how many people in big cities need these services. Do you plan on you know, adding multiple vans and, and bringing more people on? And, you know, we got some new grads and stuff listening. So in terms of if people want to get involved or do similar processes and projects, um, what's a good way of kind of collaborating with you on these ideas? Well, the first thing is I'll say go to our website, thedentaltruck.org.au, although it is a work in progress and I'm not happy with it, but we'll get there. Um, but that kind of paints the vision. There's a video there which really um, shows what, I'm, what I have done and what I'm trying to do. Um, for me, this is all about service. Um, happiness in life is generated from service to others. And so I, I think Australia does not have a, a premier a premier. Uh, dental charity 
there's the Fred Hollows Foundation for Eyes, there's the McGrath Foundation for Breast Cancer. Um, when someone says dental charity in Australia, what do we think of? I mean, the dental industry knows about the Australian Dental Health Foundation, but like, what does the general public know? Probably nothing. So I, my dream is for this to be that household name. I haven't named it after me because it's not about me. I've, I've named it the dental truck. Um, and uh, so my dream is for this to be a household name. And the, the way it can be a household name is that if it's out there, if it's, um, we've got multiple trucks in our fleet and we're servicing different towns and different cities all across the Eastern seaboard and then expanding from there further West. Um, just two weeks ago, we were endorsed by the Australian tax office to have um, deductible gift recipient um, status, which is a huge achievement for us. It means, it means that we're um, eligible to receive tax deductible donations from individuals, from corporations. So we are now starting to reach out to um, big players in the, in the dental space, um, big dental suppliers, and hopefully some of them will, will, will come to the party, but at the same time, we'll be reaching out to other corporates as well um, and seeing if uh, we can garner some support, which can fund employing dentists full-time um, so that they can get paid for the work as a graduate, but at the same time, really start to help people in need. Um, and maybe there can be some sort of mentorship in that as well, where I can kind of pass on some of the stuff that I know. Um, not that I know much, but um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's my vision is that we have multiple fleets, we're a household name, um, and uh, we're just known for the good work that we do, humbly, serve, humbly serving the Australian community. That's really cool. I, I, I think that's a big accomplishment, like you said, and it opens up so many avenues for you guys to expand. You know, even even donations of like, I'm sure, like supplies and goods and things like that are a huge help to to kind of get you guys on your way. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll certainly, you know, pass on uh, the message to some of the podcast sponsors and stuff and see if they're able to help out. I think that'd be, that'd be super cool to try and, you know, get involved in any way that we can to help out as well. Uh, so what about, what about for yourself uh, in terms of, you know, the, the mindset stuff's pretty cool and, you know, your positive attitude towards your career is really good what do you want to do for yourself? Like do you have other hobbies and stuff that you want to expand into apart from like the website development side of things. And <laughs> <laughs> I know you're quite busy. Obviously there's not a lot of time to probably develop these things right now, but uh, what do you, what are you interested in? What else are you interested in? I guess I'm, I'd like to play more golf. No doubt about that. Um, I, I play soccer during the winter, um, which helps to keep me fit. Um, what did you, I guess what I really love is just the process. I love building something from nothing. When I took over the North Sydney practice, it had a Windows 95 computer and paper files. And I built that to what it is now. Um, when I took over the, the dental truck, it, it was there, but it wasn't much. And then I've taken it to what it is now. So I just love building things. Um, and the sense of accomplishment when I leave something in better shape than when I took it on is satisfying for me, particularly if it's also left to then help others as well. So I think that's my passion in life. Um, and it won't necessarily always be just in the dental space, um, but it will be in, in other areas as well. I'm big on self-growth and self-development um, from a mindset perspective. Um, for all the youngsters out there, please get on your Instagram and follow a guy called Gary V. Yeah, great guy. He he is on it. He speaks the truth. 
he speaks raw and he keeps it real. Um, he has been a very positive influence on me. Not that I was ever in a bad headspace, but he's clarified a lot of things that were going on in my head and my heart just by articulating it really nicely and in, in our language without having to go and read a 300 page book because <laughs> he's done it in two minutes for you. What are some of these lessons that you learned from him? Cause I'm a big Gary V fan as well. Yeah. He's bloody awesome. Um, some, what are some of the lessons I love process? Just love the process. Forget about, it's not about goals. Don't set yourself a goal of, oh, okay, I've got a practice. I want it to be a $1.5 million grossing practice. Stuff the goals because goals, when you set goals in life, it actually sets you up for disappointment because if you don't reach that goals, God, you go downhill. You're so disappointed in yourself. What you need to do is you break it down and think about what does one have to do to achieve those goals? They have to install good habits. So it's, it's not, I don't believe in goals that much, but I'm more focused on habits. You have to change the habits of a practice. Or if you want to personally achieve something, you have to change your own personal habits, the way you think, the vocabulary that you use about yourself, your own body language, um, raise your energy. Um, and that's what allows you to then reach your goals. But it's never about the goal. It's about the process. And um, that's one thing I've learned from Gary. Um, which I feel I already had in me, but he just articulated it beautifully. Um, and um, don't really worry about what other people are doing or what other people are thinking. Um, I really like how he doesn't value when someone compliments him. If he has a nice feeling in his heart when someone compliments him, but his nice feeling in his heart is not dependent on that person complimenting him. Because if that was the case, then it would mean that if someone says something negative towards him, that would impact how he feels as well. So his own inner feeling in his heart and in his mind is like a vacuum. It's just quiet. It's just clean. It's pure. Nothing can get in. Whether it's good or bad, it doesn't affect what's going on in his mind and his heart. And when you create that internal vacuum, that's the unlock. That is the unlock. Then you're setting yourself up for personal mastery to go and dominate. That's super cool. I mean, this is a, I'm smiling here because this is like an area that I personally love and invest a lot of time into as well. We, we and, could have another podcast just about this. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, the, the best thing is that I've learned and, you know, over these, you know, I started these projects and I think a lot of people who do this stuff outside of their day job have these things in common where we, we want, like you enjoy tasks and you'd like to figure things out for yourself. And I tell anyone like, you know, with YouTube and everything available now, like there's literally no excuse. If you actually care enough about something, you can figure out how to do it and do it like at a high level, like for free. Um, so when I, when you start these projects and you start realizing that you need more skills to kind of cope with everything, because if you don't have like what time management skills or prioritization skills, then you have, you can have all this ambition and drive, but it's not really, it's always like things are falling off the plate and things aren't really progressing anywhere. So, you know what I really like about Gary? Um, he's, like, he's a man of action. I've always been one as well. Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Or, or That's not? fine. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not personally swearing. Gary's swearing. Yeah. <laughs> if you are not taking steps to achieve what you want to achieve in life, if you're just thinking about it or umming and ahhing, but if you're not actually taking any steps, what the actual fuck? Yeah. Like, what are you doing if you're just sitting there thinking about what you want to achieve, but you're not actually doing it yourself? Yeah um that's just mind-boggling how can people just do that it's 
it, in concept, it sounds really easy, but it's, it's so many people, that first step is hard. And that. And I'll tell you why, because it's out of your comfort zone and our brain is divided into the ancient brain in which the limbic system sits, which is your amygdala, your emotional center. And then you've got the modern brain, which is your prefrontal cortex that does all your higher end reasoning. Mm-hmm. So whenever you're ready to step out of your zone, and, and take on a new challenge. That's your prefrontal cortex reasoning. All right, let's go and do this. Let's go and buy dental practice. And then your ancient brain, which has an inherently negative bias, says, what the hell do you think you're doing? You get back right here, right now. You're not going anywhere. And so it's the fear that cripples us from taking chances in life, and it cripples all our progress. If you can break free of that, or at least be aware of that interplay between the ancient brain and the modern brain, then you will know when the negative bias of the limbic system is kicking in. You're like, hold on a sec. No, I know what I'm doing. I back myself. We can do this. And then you tell the limbic system to piss off and you go and do it. The other thing is, is that we, we all have this thing that, oh, you know, we're all so busy, you know. Uh, I mean, I've alluded to it, kids, wife, this, that. But um, we all have these boxes but in our head. But when you're focusing on one box, you're just very focused on that. And then you learn to time manage better when you move to the next box, et cetera. Um, so a quote from Gary Vee, which I absolutely love, is that, um, well, this is not a Gary Vee quote, but it's like, change your language because you, you never have a busy day. Busy has a negative connotation to it. You have a productive day. And you're never too busy to do stuff. It's just that you're just focused on multiple things. So Gary Vee says, you know, he's the least focused, focused motherfucker because... <laughs> because he's he's least focused because he's got so many things going on but every time he's on one thing he's the most focused yeah and then he moves on to the next thing guys sink yourself into gary v's podcast and his material on instagram it's superb and it'll change your life and he's uh he produces a lot of content so uh it's hard to uh, i know it's so hard to keep up with it but uh, i guess i guess the other lesson is this is a word that i use this is completely original Sorry, I keep on going. You know, I'm not letting you finish. <laughs> How many of us read a bloody quote of the day and pass it on to our friends? Oh, isn't this an amazing quote? This is just beautiful. You know, something that Simon Sinek has written or whatever. But how many of us actually internalize it and act on it? It just passes across our desk and we just pass it on to the next person. Stop passing it on and just internalize it and act on it. So internalize is a big word for me um, that I use frequently. Any of the lessons that you learn or anything that you listen to, internalize it, write it down. Have like a notes thing on your iPhone, which has everything that you want to internalize. Uh, write a date underneath each quote that you like on your, on your note. So little things like that, go back and read it once a month and you'll start to internalize it, act on it, and it will change your life. Are you big? Uh, are you a big like morning routine kind of guy, or like just yeah? Are you big on like habits and things like that that you kind of focus on or want to develop? Or, um, I mean, I I I do see the merit in waking up early and kind of um, having a bit of quiet time to yourself to start off the day on a, on a good foundation. Except my kids wake up bloody early, um, <laughs> um, so these days I have my quiet time kind of later on the in the evening when everyone's gone to sleep but um uh i i'm i'm not averse to waking up early i think that's a good idea regardless i think you've just got to find time 
where you can just be still, where you can be quiet and where you can recalibrate um, everything from the day and get, get set for the next day. That's awesome. And do you, what about books? Do you have any books or anything you recommend? I recently did read a book called 5am club by Robin Sharma. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's such an interesting way. Like it's not a, it's not your everyday, like help, like, you know, self-help or self-improvement type of book. Cause it's written like in that like fictional, like non-fictional sense. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. It's awesome. exactly. Yeah. Which makes it a little bit easier to read. Um, and I'm not good at reading. So um, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, and uh, kind of like how it's, um, given a bit of a blueprint on how you can really excel. Um, I'm reading a book by a guy called Vex King, which is called Good Vibes, Good Life, which is just about energy that you put out into the world um, and how that puts you on the right frequency to receive good energy back. Um, I'm only a little bit into that, but I feel that that's going to be a good everyday read for people as well. Um, but aside from that, um, there's a really good blog called fs.blog, which is called Farnham Street, which is about, um, you know, business psychology and thinking along the right lines so that um, you can uh, excel as a leader in the business world, Farnham Street. I think that's nice. I learned how, about habits and goals or habits versus goals from Farnham Street. Um, and, uh, yeah, those are three kind of good. And obviously Gary Vee as well. Yeah. Have you read Gary Vee's books? I haven't. Yeah, uh, but um, but I will one day. Yeah, they're quite good. I think. I mean, I mean, you're a business owner, so I think it's especially with like social media marketing and that kind of stuff. I think it'd be pretty handy uh, to get that kind of intel from him. But I mean, if you're consuming his podcast and his other YouTube vlogs and stuff, you get the same kind of same kind of material kind of delivered. So it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, certainly it'd be cool to definitely do another one of these maybe down the line, and we'll we'll focus more on this stuff because I think that's something that I really, you know, as I get a bit older, I guess now into, and you know, I enjoy the clinical talk and stuff on the podcast, but something that I really enjoy and want to kind of divert to more and more is more of the mindset stuff, especially for young dentists. Cause I'm just noticing the, you know, the, the mental health side of things and the burnout and stuff is pretty, pretty rampant. I, guess, and, um, I mean, you've you read, you've read the 5am club. Maybe we need to have a podcast just about those four interior empires. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think that's crucial. Um, and, uh, you cannot exceed clinic. You cannot succeed clinically if you do not have the right foundation mentally, emotionally. Um, so we should have another chat about that one day. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, we covered a lot uh, in this uh, in this hour, and uh, there's a lot of stuff that well, I'm sure will could be nice to kind of touch on again. So we'll definitely schedule another one. Uh, I will put this into the show notes. So if you want to send me anything that. Uh, you know, links and stuff appropriate for the podcast conversation. I can put that in there as well. Uh, and if people want to check out the, the dental truck and, you know, the, and the foundation side of things as well, it'd be cool to uh, have that uh, in there. Uh, any, anything else, anything I didn't touch on that you want to, any last minute uh, words of wisdom you want to pass on before we wrap up? I think that's enough words of wisdom for the day. <laughs> if, there, if there is any, if there is any wisdom in there, but um, thank you so much for, um, allowing me to come onto your platform and um, share my, uh, my my clinical experience, my personal experiences, and um, hopefully it's of value to, to those that are listening. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Newbie Dentist Podcast. 
please be sure to subscribe and head over to iTunes and give the show a five-star rating. For all show notes and to access all previous episodes, head over to www.newbydentist.com. Have a great day.